Facebook, our Monday Revelations with a handful of pulp revelators. And no surprise, we are starting this evening with Falcon and Winter Soldier. Episode five uh, came out on Friday. And uh, as always, plenty of spoilers, all spoilers, all show. So if you haven't watched it, tune back <laughs> in later. Um, but we open up right off the bat. John Walker has killed someone in cold in in you know broad daylight in in front of the world, goes on the run and and what I thought may happen at the end of this episode happens right at the beginning the fight scene with with Bucky and Sam and Walker just comes right out of the gate with it which was awesome, um, so throw it around Tim your uh, what are your first thoughts on Falcon Winter Soldier five, well. They're going to leave us with a lot more questions than answers. <laughs> but for sure. That's all there is to that. Um, it's, I think it's been built very well. Um, it, they tend to, some of these episodes have started off with a bang and then they kind of, they slow the story back down to give you um, some substance. And I appreciate that. I'm not used to things slowing down and actually still liking it. You know, I, I mean, like a good example is like, like Aquaman. When that movie came out, it had that huge initial fight scene between him and his brother. And then you go into this journey, which really was kind of like, I don't know, to me, it was just filler for a movie. And then they have another fight scene. But that original fight scene was so good. You're just kind of like, well, there's still an hour and a half left of this movie. So it kind of it kind of didn't go over well with me. But I, I, I mean, Bucky has developed really well. Um, you can see that him and Sam are now a lot more. Than just uh, fighting for the same side, that they're friends and they're 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 forming an actual brotherhood. You know, with I think I told you guys, um, some of you guys, when we stuck around for one of these podcasts, that I thought that um, um, the character in Baltimore, the other super soldier, Isaiah, Isaiah was still going to be very relevant, especially to Sam, and that ended up being the case that Sam needed. Um, I'm not sure he got answers from Isaiah, but he got. He got kind of that, he got what he needed to kind of set him his mindset for what he needed to do next. He got answers. He just didn't get the answers that he wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I still feel like the answers were incomplete because Isaiah doesn't want to drum it up. He wants to, I mean, he's, he's affected by the things that happened to him in his life and how he was treated unfairly. Mm-hmm. And Sam has decided that in, in today's world and in today's culture, he's going to, um, He's just going to fight the fight no matter what. He can't sit back and watch on the sidelines. He's got to fight the fight. And that's the same deal with Bucky and the same deal with Captain America. So where he, where he thinks he doesn't deserve the shield, he's showing exactly the qualities of why Steve Rogers show, uh, chose him. So I'm excited for the last episode. Um, it's an hour. I don't know how they're going to fit half of what I hope they fit into it. <laughs> I'm sure I'll, I'll still love it. it. It seems to me that we're going to end up with a great battle, like a three-way battle between Walker and, and Falcon and, and Bucky and the Flag Smashers, you know, and, and that may resolve, but there's not going to be a, a big resolve, I don't think. I don't know how there could be, but 
Gary, what do you think? It was all right. <laughs> no, it, was, it was um it was it was really good. I mean, I, I this is probably my favorite uh next to Daredevil and maybe The Punisher. This is my favorite Marvel TV show. And um it it it's as opposed to being episodic, and I know you guys heard me say this before, and so just act like you didn't hear me say that so everyone else can hear it. But as opposed to being episodic, it, it feels like it's one long movie as opposed to where, you know, WandaVision was episodic um, until it got there to the last few episodes. But with this, like, literally, it's like you tune in and it's picking up right where the left episode left off chronologically. Like, uh, you know, especially this episode, it literally picks up right after um, John Walker kills uh, one of the flag smashers and then <laughs> they break his arm and take the shield which i thought that was a great addition that you know not only are we taking your shield but we're just going to snap that arm that it's on too <laughs> now and i, I granted they had to do it you know and also it's um it's a sound tactical decision because now he's disabled and he has less of an arm to fight you with and you know he apparently was stronger than them but no, some of the high points of the episode for me is like seeing the finally the friendship between Falcon and Bucky develop. Um, you know, I have a prediction as to what's in that case that he gave him. And um, man, the biggest thing for me was just some of the Easter eggs that could be something bigger is uh, the introduction of uh, the introduction of Val uh, about the Countess Valentina. You know, she uh, in the comics, she's basically the girlfriend of Nick Fury. Like that's basically how she started off. She's a, she was an agent of Shield, um, you know. In the uh, in Jonathan Hickman's run of Secret Warriors, you find out that she was a double agent all these years. You know, retcon. You know, came out in the '60s, and now suddenly you decide that you find out that she was actually a Hydra agent working for Shield. Imagine that. And um, it was probably one of the coolest lines and coolest ends of any comic book series I ever read. But um, you know, she gets arrested a few issues. Uh, before the end and at the end Nick Fury's running off and uh Cap Cap's like well, where'd Nick disappear to and um you know Dum Dum Dugan his right hand man's like he's going to bust his girl out of prison and there he is like even though she's a double agent he's there to bust her out of prison and so it's like it's it's a really interesting concept that they introduced her and they had Elaine from Seinfeld as her <laughs> definitely so, an interesting casting choice yeah when I just when they said there's a big character reveal, like an A-list star, and then it was her, I was just kind of like, what? What? But then I, Gary's, you know, talking about the past of that character, and I read into it. She, She's actually, um, she's one of the ones that helped put together the Thunderbolts as well. So, I mean, you have a lot of elements of the Thunderbolts happening, and you keep hearing the ripples and the rumors of, hey, Thunderbolts is probably coming because... DC has the Suicide Squad, which is the bad guys used for good. And there's a good chance you're going to see Thunderbolts, which is really exciting because the Kingpin also has a hand in the Thunderbolts, too. So, just, well, with Zemo in there, you know, you have, he's the guy who started the Thunderbolts. And just, just remind me, man, he probably had one of the best scenes I have ever seen just with one throwaway line. And it's when the Winter Soldier, this legendary killer, shows up next to him and he's like, don't worry. I've decided not to kill you. <laughs> it's just like, it, it, I could not help but laugh at that part. Cause literally, I mean, it's like, you know, Bucky as the winter soldier is 
just the whisper of his name scared everybody. And here's Zemo saying, no, nah, man, it's cool. I'm not going to kill you. <laughs> right. I did read something that somebody's thought was they're putting him in the raft, which is the underwater prison where Cap broke everybody out of. And who is in the water but Namor, who'd, who'd love nothing more than to get, you know, them broken out from under, you know, the Wakandans. So, yeah. like, hmm, interesting theory. They're setting up I a like lot that. that they could move into. I, I feel like Marvel is now just... I feel like they plant Easter eggs to make us talk and stir and go stir crazy. Um, and then they just kind of cherry pick like, yeah, it's time to open that one up. Let's yeah. Let's open that can. <laughs> like it's, They've done such a good job of planting things that they've got material for decades now. Yeah. Like yeah. when they're going to introduce the mutants. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm really curious about the fantastic four because it's slated as a project. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, usually there's some buildup, so I, I don't know. Brooks and Mark, what do you guys think? I love the episode. I, you know, uh, God, there's so much to go off of. I mean, the I love Julie Louise Dreyfus. I love her as an actress. I think she's great. I, the, the castings, the more I learn about the character, I think the casting's a little odd because I feel like maybe someone with a little more international flair might have made sense in this but look she's a great actress she's going to kill the part to whatever and you know they want her to um and it's an interesting character to bring in I I love the series I thought I I don't know who the actor is that plays Isaiah but wow I mean what a scene that was I mean it was really great I love that they I love that there's more depth there to all that conversation. I love that, you know, he, Isaiah gave him his perspective and he made his own decision on that. I think that's a really, I think that's really, to me, that's really interesting. It's not, I feel like a lot of those kind of conversations end up being very two dimensional. And that was a very three dimensional conversation as was the response to it, which I think is really interesting that that's happening in a superhero movie. <laughs> you know, and, I mean? and, Bucky, and Bucky's part of it too. And Bucky's part of it too, for sure. And and I thought, you know, there's a lot there. Again, I think they're they're kind of they're keeping the politics and the, those kind of conversations vague, but in a way that you can still discuss it if you want to. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really, I think they've done a really great job handling all of that. But like like Tim said, I mean, they they just have a they've left all these Easter eggs everywhere in all of these projects. And I mean, you didn't see Ao coming in this. You didn't see who's a really fascinating character. It's almost gotten to a point now where, like, how I mean, the movies are almost going to feel like second nature because they're only two hours, and you know, what I mean, like they 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 feel like small projects compared to these shows. And you know, we talked last time about how we liked, you know, we feel like Rambo. Even you know, we felt more like I I personally brought up. I felt like I liked her character more than Captain Marvel because I've seen her more. And there's been better buildup, and I feel like I, I understand her character more at this point. Now I feel that way about almost all these characters, you know, but Brooks brought up a good point and I'll, I'll speak for him. Cause I don't, I, it's, it's a little bit longer, but when, you know, the first couple of phases were all about Iron Man and that was the character arc, right? It, you know, his whole, he was kind of the hero of that story and he lived and he died and he changed the most from being this playboy, whatever, to sacrificing himself for the better good of everybody. But who is that person going to be? You know, is that going to, are they prepping us 
for Sam in this phase. We're, you know, Tim's brought up a bunch in past episodes. Like we're at the infancy of how they're going to develop this. And they're doing the same. They're putting it together very slowly. They're piecing it together. They're introducing, we're going to see Shang-Chi, which we'll talk about that trailer later. But they've developed all these characters so much, but we still don't know who that one person we're going to be tracking from project to project is. Are they setting Sam up for that? Is that what we're seeing? Is it going to be somebody else? I mean, how's all this going to build? I mean, I think it's a really, really going to be interesting to see how that all that unfolds. Great question. So I went back to Isaiah Washington. You brought him up. Um, he's played by Carl Lumbly. What and, a great um, actor. I mean, what a great scene that was. But here's the craziest thing. Do you remember the mid-90s show? It was only on briefly. It was called Mantis. And it was mm -hmm. about the... Uh, that was him. Okay. <laughs> so... Uh, I just happened to look it up. I mean, he's got, he's played in tons of stuff. And of course, like there's probably better, more dramatic stuff that I could have named, but I'm like, no, he was in Mantis. <laughs> but um, now he's, uh, he was an alias too. He played Marcus Dixon in Alias. Um, so for the science fiction fan, but he also played in, like he played um, in 87, he played Bobby Seale, one of the founders of the Black Panther Party in uh, the trial of Chicago 8, which they've just redone for Netflix. Yep um so yeah so yeah i mean yeah he's been in a lot and he also apparently is a comic book fan because he did the voice of martian manhunter in the justice league cartoon nice. um he also did it for a superman animated series he played the villain stalker stalker on batman beyond and he was on supergirl as the martian manhunter's father he was also on Battlestar Galactica. So, yeah, he is like, I mean, he's been in all kinds of science fiction. Stuff. He was on Battlestar Galactica. He was, um, he played a character who was like Adama's like wingman during the original Cylon War. And he was captured in, in, in like the middle of like the whole run. He had this, I mean, he had this huge feature. It was, a, um, it was its own like TV movie, like two hours long called Razor. That's right. I forgot about that. He was really good in that. Well, it sounds like he's done a lot of science fiction and that stuff, but I'll tell you after watching that, if I'm a casting director, I'm taking I'm taking that guy for a very, some kind of serious dramatic role. I mean, I, I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, and agreed. to me, like I, they, that was a real discovery. And some, I mean, not that casting directors probably know who he is, but if they don't, I mean, that definitely would move him up on my radar for sure. Yeah, you could feel his pain. And I like how Absolutely. like they included... Um, realism like when he's talking about red tails and um you know a lot of what he described um is very similar to what the husky airmen went through you know um so it's kind of um it was really uh they've done a really good job of incorporating real life uh i won't say events well events and real life emotion into some of the like marvel universe history I thought one of the cool contrasts was I mean, you have Isaiah who's kind of like given up and wants to be left alone. He's, you know, he, he has seen the world for what it is and you're not convinced him it's anything different. And then you turn around and you see Sam and you see, you know, in, in, in every culture and every type of people, there's, there's so many different viewpoints and you see Sam's resiliency when he goes home and you see that entire community being nothing but resilient and sticking behind each other and helping each other out. And you kind of see that Isaiah was robbed of that because he was just held the way he was and tested on. And maybe he could have ended up a little bit differently had he had just an ounce of emotional support. 
you know, the only emotional support he has is his grandson who loves him dearly, but um, takes care of him. But I don't think knows how to relate to him and doesn't want to push buttons, you know? And Isaiah was, was got out under the pretense of you're dead, stay dead and no one will mess with you. You know, so there is no, like, I'm going to be raised again, rise again and be a hero. It's like, I just leave me alone. So I don't have to be the desperation in that too. When he's talking about it, Mm -hmm. he still knows that he's in danger. Mm -hmm. Brandon thoughts on the episode. First of all, (laughs) whoever it was that was suggesting that Julia Louis-Dreyfus is not an A-list actress. That was me. I was just surprised because I expected someone. They built it up. Eight eight Emmys across three projects would say otherwise. I mean, (laughs) I know her from from nothing more than Seinfeld. And I like her in Seinfeld, but I I just don't pay attention to her work. It could have been worse. It could have been Kramer. And I was expecting like a, <laughs> I, I was expecting like a huge like Marvel reveal, and I didn't know who the character was. So like I say, initially it's just kind of like really, and then I got diving into the, who the character is, and she's going to be really important. Yeah, and I, I was I was shocked to see her in the MCU personally as a big fan of her, and I was shocked that they kept that secret somehow especially considering the fact that supposedly she's in black widow and that's been in the can for two years or or, or we've been waiting on black widow to release for for what a year and a half so how the hell that was a secret i have no idea because that's a pretty big name to keep a secret like that um but no the episode was great i think for me i think that um i was a little bit surprised to see the John Walker thing develop so quickly, I guess, like to where he's already kind of on his way to being a U.S. agent, I guess. Uh, and uh, but I, I, I think if you know, the suggestion here is that this character is going to be sort of leading this criminal enterprise of some of some kind, right? I mean. I guess we don't really know, but she's recruiting people to do something, or is she just recruiting him? You know, is this? I think so. If we're talking about Thunderbirds, and it looks like it truly looks like that's what they're setting up now, or Thunderbolts, not Thunderbirds. That's another great run, but um, she's she's recruiting on. We don't know. She's been a lot of different things. Like Gary said earlier, you know, she's actually been a double agent and an agent of, of uh, Hydra. When she was originally thought to be an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., she's got ties to the CIA and other secret groups. And, you know, she's think about um, the Suicide Squad and how they the recruiting that happened there. It's it's very similar. It, they're just kind of like the Marvel alter ego of Suicide Squad. And there was a run where the U.S. agent was the head of Thunderbolts for a while a few years ago so just another interesting tie-in to yeah the, the run right now um taskmaster is who we're about to see so there's a lot of elements and would it be fun to see a thunderbolts where uh walker and zemo were on the same team and the tension between the two of them who already don't like each other you know and i, mean, I think that you know that would be just so much fun to see those two together on a team knowing that we all know Zemo wants to kill him. You know? <laughs> Anything they put Zemo in, I'm going to watch in the future. Daniel Brawl is just knocked that out of the park that whole entire I, I did not time. find out until this week that U.S. agent is Kurt Russell's son. 
Yeah. You weren't listening to the podcast, man. I brought it up two weeks ago. <laughs> I, was, I was surprised by that too, Tim. I had no idea. Look, I, saw, hey, I Mark, heard that. I was like, Mark, really? It's called, it's called Midnight Shift. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the tricky, also the tricky thing is, so if you're telling me that they're sort of not all the way bad guys, is that what we're saying? Like they're not necessarily all the way bad. They're just, or are they bad guys? They're bad guys. Okay. Because well, yeah. Suicide Squad are kind of not bad guys, right? No, they're bad guys. Yeah, they're they, bad guys that are just happen to be thrown into a situation where they end up doing some heroic things. Um, Walker in the comics isn't technically a bad guy. He's more of like an anti-hero, like the Punisher. Right. Like the Punisher would be a good character to fit in with the Thunderbolts, except he'd end up killing them all at the end. Right. I guess what I'm trying to figure out is who is the bad guy. You know what I mean? Like Definitely we... Zemo. Zemo's a bad guy. Taskmaster. Taskmaster. Brandon, do you mean in this show? Yeah. Uh, that think that's a really good question. And there's not a very clear answer. You know, because you've got the flag smashers are doing some things that are reprehensible, but you can understand why they feel a way they do. I feel like um Walker definitely not a good guy definitely has all kinds of anger management rage issues but he's not wrong in some of the things he says in the, the way that he's been programmed and built by the government and he's done a good job i mean you know i mean it, i mean it'd be fun to have like a almost like a mock trial because i can make an art now i don't like him i don't like any of that mm -hmm. but i can make a case that walker's done the least wrong you know what i mean like there's a terrorist who blew up you know uh mm -hmm and killed innocent people that killed you know that and those people killed his partner and Absolutely. he well, except and, the part where he beheaded the guy with his shield or whatever i totally get that i totally get <laughs> yeah, that. it's funny that in today's society that vengeance is completely acceptable it's not right you were wronged you need you need to have vengeance our society completely accepts vengeance unless you're a government agent i mean, think about that Unless you're every person who goes in court and justifies their actions and says, "Well, I I assaulted him because he called me this name," and they in their mind they have a justification for it. But then we turn around and you have public officials who. This movie painted that picture for me that Walker did what a lot of people would go, "Kill my friend," I do the same thing, and you see that play out on the street all the time. Look but at the crowd. Yeah, but you would go to jail for that. You, you can't get away with it. Would you? You have to be defending yourself. You can't just kill someone because they killed someone else. You would still get yeah, it. Like, like Mark said, I, I'm, I'm on Team Mark on this one. I believe you could make an argument that he's chasing down active terrorists. I, I think in a court of public opinion, I think you could get a hung jury on that one, man. Well, I, and now... I now I want to definitely do the episode where we do a mock trial on this because <laughs> um, it's super exciting. Who gets to be Walker? But I can tell you from experience, um, and if you even just look at the, for example, Brandon, because you brought up an interesting point, but there's a difference between being in a domestic situation and in a foreign battle theater. Um, when they did the raid to capture bin Laden, not only did they put the gunman down, but they put more bullets on him when they were on the ground. Because when you go in and you're doing a raid like that, um, every person that takes up arms against you 
just because you shot them doesn't mean they can't still shoot you. Just right. because they're down in their back saying, please, 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 doesn't mean that they're not laying on a grenade that all they have to do is roll off of and take you out. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a really hard situation. Now, we know from the filming and all, obviously, that that guy was meant to be a victim and John Walker basically slaughtered him for all to see with all the cameras out, you know, very today. But on the mindset of John Walker, that was what he was trained to do. That guy was an, uh, an enemy combatant that could still be a danger. At the same time, he also just watched his friend get killed. So he was like, vengeance, and now I can blame it. It didn't work out for him, though. because yeah. Well, you know, he also he took it upon more. himself to do that versus yeah. a and mission. Joy, that and Julia Louise Dreyfus' right. character took advantage of that mindset. She sure. told she said, I would have done exactly the same thing. You're just oh, yeah. a well, that lends itself to his his when he was there in front of the Senate and he was trying to explain to him and exactly what he said. They're like, you built me this way. You you trained me to do this. This is what you put me in. This is and I did what I was supposed to do. And now you're turning on me. now. And, and that for me, when I watched, it, I was like, wow, that's a pretty powerful statement. And that's I think Mike said it like even Mark, like you can't you can't really get mad at that that statement you know for what he did when you think about it and now i have no military no law enforcement no kind of background like that whereas some of you guys may have that and everything i know is from a tv show movie perspective and what i've heard from from people but it is it's like they train you to be this person they break you down to be this person they build you up the way they want you to be in whatever scenario that they want you to they put you in these dangerous high stress situations where you have to make these snap judgment calls. And then when it goes sideways and they don't like the result, then they're like, okay, well, we're going to cut you loose. No benefits. We're going to send you on your way. Um, and that's what they did here. And you can't, and in certain situations, you, you can't be like, wow, that's like, wow, <laughs> like that's just dropping the hammer. And I think a lot of us last week even said, oh, well, the government won't go down on him. You know, they'll do this. and." You know, they won't, they won't, they won't come down too hard on him. You know, they won't let him be Captain America, but whatever. But they like dropped the hammer on this dude from everything, from what it sounds like they were saying. Um, so you do, you kind of feel, for me, I kind of felt for a bit, I was like, wow, I kind of feel bad for the guy after all this. Don't you feel I, like I want to, I want to clarify too. Like, I, I mean, I was pointing out kind of the irony in him being the, the one who was, you know, maybe had done the least wrong because, you know, Sam and Bucky broke out of international terrorists yeah, out of jail right. on You're their right. own with no authority. I mean, that, that's, that's a pretty, that's, that's a pretty bold thing. I mean, you know, John Walker. As again, said, as Bucky said, he did that on his own. But I understand, <laughs> I understand what yeah. you're saying, Mark. I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not condoning him beheading the guy with a shield, and and but you know, they've obviously positioned that in a way where they want that to be the most striking thing that's happened, and that was the worst thing. But if you look at each of these people, and I don't think Marvel's trying to hide that either. I think, right. I mean, I think you know, we talked about it last week. Like, I think there's going to be this sentiment against the heroes. You know, these aren't good. You know, someone's going to question whether sam and bucky were supposed to break him out of jail that's going to happen coming up sometime i believe that well and the whole I think, show is, uh, sorry go ahead no no go ahead go ahead the whole show is shades of gray totally well bucky's okay. always been that character that because bucky does what he does it allows the squeaky clean superheroes to kind of skate by but bucky always kind of routinely comes in with 
he's kind of like the punisher. He comes in with the with the heavy hand, or he he comes in with the information that he got that he didn't get the way the other guys would get it. But you also look at the big turn for Bucky now, who who drops the bullets out of the gun and has an opportunity to kill Zemo, but chooses not to. You know, saying I'm no longer that guy now. I'm not the killer now. I'm I'm acting in a different way. I I thought that you guys kind of hinted about this, and it got me thinking about. The whole process of Walker being held accountable, it starts with Bucky and Sam simply trying to get him like, hey, you know, if you if you go in, you tell them the truth what happened, they'll probably go easy on you. Um, and he tends to like dig his own hole. Like when initially when he's at that hearing, first off for Walker, I feel like he just wants to be heard. He wants the opportunity on that platform to explain what happened. And he keeps saying, can I please explain? Can I, there's there's things you don't know. And they refuse to give them that time, which our government does all the time. They send these minions out there to do their job. And like you guys said, the minute the, the coals get hot, they go, oh, not our problem anymore. Mm-hmm. And then he gets mad and he says what he says. And then right after that, they tack on more. That's when they gave him his other than honorable discharge. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's they said initially, you're lucky that because of your service, we're only taking Captain America from you. And then he got mad and said what he said. And then they said, okay, now you're getting a other than honorable discharge. So he dug his own hole, just like he did earlier in the episode with Sam and, and Bucky. And he sees himself now as the constant victim, which he has some justification for that. But the important thing is that Julia Louise Dreyfus's character is playing on that. It's interesting sure. as well. And I think you can vary, you're supposed to make the point that the same government that created Walker created Isaiah. No, so you've got these two, like these are products of the government saying, "Here, do this." And Captain America, you know, we've done yeah, right. a contrast of how they were treated differently. Yeah, well, and, and going back to Brandon's original question about who the good guys or bad guys are, I mean, you could make an argument. I mean, the Suicide Squads and Thunderbolts, I believe, I'm not as familiar with Thunderbolts as much as I'm Suicide Squad. They're always acting on the behest of the government. So, like. Yeah. The real bad guy in most of their situations is the government. You know, I mean, they, they really are kind of the anti-hero because they're doing what they're, I mean, Suicide Squad, they'll blow their head off if they don't. And it's the government that sends them into these, you know, holes where they don't want people to know what's going on. And I think Thunderbolts kind of is the same way. I'm not a hundred, I'm not as familiar. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's always the government who's shady in those situations. Well, they tend to send them into winless situations that they know that even if they're able to pull it off, there will be no survivors to talk about it. So, right. so to pull a line from uh, the movie Seven, what's in the box? <laughs> yeah. Hopefully with a different answer. Right. <laughs> Gary said he had a theory. i got to hear this. Oh, that box. Um, I was lost there for a second. I was just <laughs> nodding and laughing because I don't know. Um, so I think it's the new Captain America suit with wings. Yeah. Um, I think the suit's made out of vibranium because Sam doesn't have powers. Right. I mean, Bucky's a super soldier. Uh, Walker's a super soldier now. Cap was a super soldier. Sam would be the first Captain America coming out of the uh, gates with no powers, so he would need some sort of advantage. Um, I'm thinking that you're going to see him in a red, white, and blue costume with red, white, and blue wings. Um, and, you know... It, that's what it was in the comics. One, I, I keep saying this, and you guys can tell me to shut up every episode, and I'll probably still say it because <laughs> I'm that cantankerous. But the, one of the things that I've always really liked about the MCU um, is how they take 
multiple storylines that were really good stories and they combine them into one thing um you know dark knight rises kind of similar but it was too much too fast um in this they've combined um the u.s agent storyline um sam as captain america and that internal struggle being a black man as captain america and then the truth um about isaiah washington so that's three different distinct comics mm-hmm. and storylines that they have like compiled into six episodes and done it really well mm-hmm. i do agree that uh i think it was brandon that said the u.s agent kind of unfolded really fast oh, but i mean i don't think they had a choice because they only had six episodes to get that in on um wow i spoke I, that was so profound that it was like an earthquake just happened i don't know did you see that my whole screen shook um but I, it was uh but no i i think just the um the writers they, they've done their research really well and they've combined a lot and then with val and some of the other stuff and you know sharon which my prediction with that is I think they're in cahoots and I think it all ties back to Nick Fury. Um, Cause he's always the, basically the man behind the uh, curtain, but. Um, you think I, who's in cahoots, Gary? What's that? Who do you, who do you think some cahoots? Sharon Carter and who? And Val and Nick Fury. So, that makes sense. We've got a question uh, from Facebook from Kevin Znosko. Hey, that's my buddy. <laughs> he says, is, is power broker is the bad guy. Um, and will he be revealed in the last episode? I feel like if they do, it's just going to be like a, a parting screenshot of who uh, you might even get like that, that pan up the body and then stops like right here with, with him going on to, on to Mandapore or on to, you know, Shang-Chi's legendary city or something. I mean, I, I don't know. There's so much story to tell. How can they introduce him at this point and have him be relevant? I still hope it's Evan Peters, man. I, I would just die like if, if it's him. That's the mid-credit scene, and you see it's Evan Peters. Brooks, who do you want it to be? He's he's someone that he really hopes it is. Kingpin. That'd be awesome. That's who I hope it is too. If you see Vincent Garofalo suddenly appear with that gruff voice, uh, that Brooks, that would make like I would probably just talk about that the entire next episode. <laughs> So many factors because that brings the entire Netflix world into play. Yeah, it 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 could well be Sharon Carter. I mean, so in the end, we see she's dealing with Batrock, also known as George Saint Pierre. Um, you know, and, and then he shows up with the Flag Smashers. So your your inclination is that she's in cahoots with the Flag Smashers, unless he's going to betray them or something. You know, I guess it's possible that um, Julia Louis Dreyfus's character could be the power broker. You know, I don't, I don't think we've seen him yet. Frames. Well, the interesting and the, so the interesting part is she calls him. He shows up with the flag smashers, but he's there to kill Falcon, is what he said, right? Unless yeah. I right, yeah. So is that does Sharon Carter know he wants to kill Falcon? She's got to. That was her her. Sales pitch. Sales pitch, yeah. exactly. But does it matter to her? Because, I mean, they the Marvel hero world has gotten the best of him every step of the way. Is she really worried about Sam's safety when it comes to that guy? Maybe she's just <laughs> right. an end, you know? Yeah, sure. Go try to get him. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I'll, use, I'll use you to get where I got to get, and then you're on your own. But. Uh, 
the Avengers always kick everybody's ass anyway. Here, here you go. Definitely yours. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, back to my Lethal Weapon comparisons. Um, did you notice the scene where uh, Bucky goes to help Sam fix the boat? And he's kind of flirting with his sister. Oh, yeah. Uh, just like the whole Riggs with Murtaugh's daughter thing at <laughs> totally. the very first Lethal Weapon. I was like, Same Man. thought I had, Gary. Same thing that- I had. What's that? Well, that was great. Same exact thing I thought of when I saw it was him yeah. flirting with uh, Murtaugh's daughter. They've done such a good job of like making it very lethal weapon esque. Like they started off hating one another and not getting along, and now it's like they're starting to respect one another and almost become buddies because they're like saying, "You just call me and I'll be there." Joe, you were gonna say something. Well, no, I was gonna say this is this is kind of this episode's kind of that episode i think we talked a couple weeks ago when we were asked about what we wanted to see and i was really interested to see how sam and um uh bucky became friends like how did this you know how did that buddy cop buddy you know this thing progress and it was almost like like the front end of like the first few the first three episodes were just so much just kind of like action 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 going on things were going on they were finding out about the flag smashers and this and then we're five episodes in and now we're getting that story of that slowed down with this episode. Like that first, the first action scene was it. And then for the next 45 minutes, it kind of slowed down. And there was the more of the story came out. And there was like that coming and understanding of Bucky and Sam becoming partners or a couple of guys, as they said at the end, <laughs> you know, you know, we're like a couple with of a guys with a, friend. with a common friend and a friend's gone. We're a couple of guys, right. you know? And I was like, that's pretty cool. But at the same time, there was that understanding between the two of them. There was that friendship. There was that, hey, you find something out, you let me know. There was that talk to Sam that that Bucky that he gave to Bucky, you know, like like Sam said, this is what he's good at is dealing with soldiers who have trauma. And what other soldier has the more trauma than the winter soldier and all the things he's done, you know? Um and so for me, I like that aspect of slowing things down a little bit and giving you this story, uh, showing Sam, as he's even his sister said, Sam's fighting two battles. Like he's battle, fighting this battle for the world, for the U.S., for, you know, globe, that the big picture p- battle that he has. But he has this home battle that he's doing with, um, with his family. You know, and the thing I was saying, I watched I watched the episode again today before we went on, and there was something. It's real minor, and I don't know. It has nothing to do with anything really, but it just kind of jumped out at me. Is both WandaVision and uh, Winter Falcon or Soldier or Winter Winter Soldier Falcon and Winter Soldier have something to do with a boat, which kind of just jumped out to me. So there's Sam with his family boat that he's fixing up, and then it's really briefly at the end of WandaVision where the where Vision's talking to the White Vision about this boat and if you change it around and will it become this other thing. And they're both symbolisms for a person growing and becoming something better or becoming mm. something different. Because Sam's rebuilding this boat that his parents had. He's you know he's he's finding out who he is and his family through rebuilding this boat and re- reconnecting with his family through this boat. Vision is reconnecting with himself through the analogy of uh, I forget what the I forget what the boat's name is, but you know if you take the pieces, you rebuild them, right. you clean them, you put them back, you use new pieces. Is it the same? 
parts of a whole kind of thing. And that just kind of jumped out to me today. And I was like, again, I was like, I don't know if they did it intentionally or something, but it was something that jumped out to me. And I was like, if I go to watch Loki and he talks about boat in the series, I sort of got to be like, yep, there it is. They're talking about boats. That's a really, really good observation. You yeah. Know? So that just kind of, that was just something I was watching, especially that scene where Bucky sits, not Bucky, where Sam sits down on the dock and he's about to paint over the name so they can sell it and they stop. And she's like, no, we can't do this. This is who we are. This is the, this is, this is our family. This is our legacy, you know? And then that's where she talks about to Sam about, you know, are you going to let Isaiah Bradley define who you are because of what he did? You know, the things that happened to him, are you going to let that stop you from doing what you know is right? You know, she's like, I knew all those times you were leaving. I knew you weren't just running away. I knew you were going to help other people. You were going to save things, you know? And the same thing with, in, in comparison to like vision, it was, but it was more of like, this is who you are. You don't have to be this person that they are. And as, as, as Mark said, the government has set you up to be, <laughs> you know, the, the government set the, the vision in there, you know, and it's like, you can be more than who you are. You can be, find your parts to be, be whole again. So there was just a little observation that kind of jumped yeah. out at me today when I was watching. So that's great, Joe. I didn't, I didn't pick that up at all. I like the reveal that Bucky talked to Steve about giving Sam the shield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was an interesting little tidbit because <clears throat> I kind of was thinking the whole time, like what, you know, and I guess they kind of wanted us to think like, what does Bucky really think about Sam getting the shield or like him not getting the shield? You know, is, is that a thing? And I thought it was an interesting little thing that, there was this conversation that him and Steve had about giving Sam the shield. So I, that to me, that kind of puts a little bow on the people who were trying to say a swerve was coming, that Bucky would end up with the shield. We're clearly not going that way now. Well, I think if you watch that scene in Endgame where he gives the shield over, Bucky hangs back, lets Sam have that one-on-one with Steve. And Sam just kind of has this like approving look on his face. Like he knew that was coming. And it was neat to see them kind of flesh out that there actually was that conversation. Yeah. Something else I noticed, it's completely irrelevant compared to what Joe just revealed. Um, but you notice when Sam was training with the shield, he even took the time Gary kind of hit about how Sam is at a disadvantage because he's not a super soldier. Right. Like when he was catching the shield, you notice he didn't catch the shield like Captain America did. He always had to kind of absorb it. And he was always catching it and then bringing it back to his body <laughs> and stuff. So he's, He's already showing that he's adapting, but he's he's willing to do what it takes to take on that mantle. I thought that was pretty cool. Can we address why the shield bounces? <laughs> well, it's made of vibranium. That's all you need to know. Okay. <laughs> no, that's fine. I'll take I'll take that. I'll take that answer. I mean, I, I do find it interesting that the shield itself can be embedded in a cement pillar in like episode two. <laughs> but when you throw it at a tree wrapped with a pillow, <laughs> it's all about the angles, man. Don't you play pool? Come I mean, on. I, well, I well, here's my question. Playing, that they were playing. What, what is what is the um, English game where they have the bouncers? Oh, uh, cricket. No, no, uh, the billiard okay. game. Oh, snooker. Oh, I know, snooker. I know what you're talking about. Snooker. Yeah. 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 It's like a little snooker course there. <laughs> He's just yeah. bouncing all the trees. Like it took down cement with rebar. Uh, <laughs> well, my question is, is how do they catch it? That's my always been like a thing to me. Like, because there's apparently straps on it because Very it tightens carefully. the straps down. And, but every time you catch it, like he just sticks his arm out and I'm like, 
is it it always just threw me off like especially watching it now with a more crit- critiquing eye i'm like how does he ca- like a cap i can get like i can get you could tell me cap has the vibranium thing that goes on his bracer and it comes back and he and it gets it and then he can adjust it i can buy that when the when the dormilage kicked it up and she caught it i can take she had a vibranium magnet thing that took it i can take even bucky he has a vibranium arm and that's how he catches it but like sam and, and walker uh, john walker they throw it and they just catch it and it comes to him and well, i'm like walker, how are you catching this on your arm like, not and, and like walker was really aggressive like walker yeah, he was, like, was flinging it. like he oh, was yeah. rocking I mean, it Every time he picked up the shield in that first fight, my wife went, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the heading scene again, and we were all going, oh, my God, oh, no. <laughs> so for our, for one of our episodes, what I'm hearing is, is we're going to do like a Try Guys type episode. We're going to get a Captain America shield and throw it to one another. Just yeah, you. Let's see how we catch it. Yes, we'll play <laughs> Ultimate Frisbee with a big metal shield. <laughs> all right, so first off, we have to like set up a course. The first... The first thing is going to be like distance throw. Who can throw it the furthest and most accurate? Then that person's going to be the one who throws it at a tree and see how it holds up. So apparently Tim's already thought this through. It, it, just, took a, it just took a second, man. When you present, but when you present an idea, I just expand on it. It's yeah. great. Tim's and you're holding it. Has Tim's any got some trees down in his backyard that he's already been throwing the shield at. <laughs> I have a tree in mind. <laughs> has any character acknowledged that walker took the serum yes, yes. val did val oh, okay. did she was only one okay but like yeah. well no because bucky and sam did because they were like what did you do yeah, yeah sam said oh. yeah, when he witnessed him uh right. kick the yeah. snot plus out they fought him plus they that yeah. fight they the part that i was that's the part that I was confused because I, I, they were fighting him, and I was like, "Why won't they say something about him being a super soldier?" But maybe I just missed it. Yeah, like, like right after his first, the first thing he did, um, no, it was he in jumped the, off of a cliff or something, or jumped off the, a building. It was the scene. It was the scene where just before he killed that guy, right? Where where Sam's there trying to talk her out of, you know, talk her into, "Hey, come in, let's let's have a conversation." They're fighting, and he bends the steel bar. Yeah. Right, there you up. go. That's when Sam was like, okay. what did you do? And the flag smasher was like, oh, crap. When, when he's fighting him, they know something's up. Yeah. yeah. Right. So also, I guess it also begs the question, why did it take so many shield blows to cut that guy's head off? But he was a super <laughs> soldier, one? Well, it probably, yeah, he was a super soldier, too. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. But he was, it was interesting, though, because he's a super soldier. Well, he's a super serum taker. Right, he was legitimately scared of John Walker because Walker's a trained, a special forces guy who now is suddenly has the strength of a super soldier, and that's that's what the government was always trying to build. They didn't want every Joe Schmo having superpowers. They wanted elite, well trained, well controlled under their thumb soldiers being able to go into battle and just wreak havoc. And you know, John Walker gave them that, and then look how they turned on him. Gary, is there right, is so there like, any precedent in the comic books where like super soldiers can grow their body parts back? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not that I know of. <laughs> in fact, in the comics, being a super soldier doesn't even give you super strength. You're just like peak human abilities. Um, now, 
Walker in the uh, comics wasn't a super soldier. The power broker in the comics actually gave them super strength. Um, but Steve was just like, you know, they even like get down to the science where like uh, Steve Rogers' body doesn't produce um, ammonia in the muscles, like that burn in the muscles that you get. Like he, he doesn't do that at all. They did a storyline where it was like the super soldier serum was failing him and he ended up having to like give it up somehow. And so he had to battle with trying to still be Captain America without that ability. And of course, right, we get another question from Kevin, which I think is fair. He says, um, you know, back to the box. Do you think there's a heart shaped herb serum in there along with the new cap uniform? You think they Ooh. gave him, you know, some of the Black Panther, you know, uh, <laughs> that would be awesome, but I'm going to go with no, because it, it was so ceremonial with the, the yeah. Kings. Um, it, it's a really cool question. It would be probably a really cool concept, but I think they would have a lot to go over. With, well, don't um, forget that you have to be a, 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 a son of Wakanda. Right. You've got to be the in line right. with Panther. So, so I want to go with the with, – it is. I think that would, that would be pretty cool. I think that's that would be kind of cool if they did that. But I, I agree. I think that's more for, like, the royal Wakanda, you know, in line of succession to, to, to do that. But going back on to what he said about the about the, the – the uniform, the costume, the the wings, as we would put it. I don't think that you're going to, I, this is my opinion. I don't think that it's going to be the new red, white, and blue Captain America look yet. I think it might still be that kind of tactical look to it, you know, almost like a silver, almost kind of light, dark gray for the wings kind of thing yet. Um, until Sam actually takes up that mantle. Like he actually, like, I think that's what we're leaning to. Yes, he has the shield. Yes, he's working with it. Um, but I don't know if you're going to get that red, white, and blue look, like that comic book look with the star in the front quite yet. But I do think I, I can see it being similar to some, some, I heard this online the other day and I was thinking that'd be kind of cool. Is it would be almost like a combination of the nanotech, sort of like, uh, tony stark suit where he has the uh the chest piece but it would be a back piece and like he could it, the, the war the wings would form out of this nanotechnology so even if he got them ripped off again they would still come back and it would be sort of a combination of like what they did with the black panther suit where it you know it stores up that energy and kind of comes back out now i don't know if that what they look like in the comics if that's he gets them even from there or not but you know, I think that's where you're going to go. And maybe that last scene, you'll see Sam take up the mantle and maybe change the costume. And I think the end credit scene may be where you see the power broker, if anything. That kind of, you know, we were talking about if the power broker is going to be in it. I think that might be like your end credit scene or your mid credit scene and then an end credit scene um, like they like to do um, for that. So. so so let's go there, you know, as we're, you know, with, with our time, let's go for expectations for that, that last episode. The, the things that jump out at me, um, based on the end credits scene already, I think Sam's shield breaks Walker's new shield. I think the shield, you know, the non-vibranium shield that Walker's working on is going to get broken, like symbolically broken apart by Sam's. I think that's got to happen. Um, for me, 
and, and I mentioned this, you know, off air. I see a Red Widow tie-in coming in from so to to make to as an end credits thing to make this go seamlessly into why you need the Black Widow movie, so that you understand who Red Widow is. Yeah, I, I agree. I. And I know I've said this because the whole comics and that she came back from death. I, I still, they have put so much effort into this Black Widow movie um, with rescheduling it, still keeping it going, even making it. I have a hard time believing that this is a one and done movie for the character. I know mm -hmm. right now they've released it. They're going back and telling a story, um, you know, in between the movies. I really have a hard time believing that they're not going to do more with that character moving forward. Um, Which character, Gary? Natasha, the Black Widow. Black Widow. Oh, okay. I still, I, I still feel like somehow, like whether they go along with the um, how they did it in the comics, somehow she, her story continues on. But I, I do. It, it seems like with this show, and uh, Mark, I, I think you nailed it dead. You said this back when we were doing um, WandaVision. You know, WandaVision set up like the continuing magic portion of the MCU. And I think this show is really setting up the espionage, uh, more Captain America's world continuation of the MCU. So I, I agree with Mike. I, I would definitely see it tying into Black Widow. And I've changed my mind. I don't want the power broker to be Evan Peters. I want it to be Hugh Jackman to continue on the X-Men characters coming in as different characters joke. <laughs> to me, that would be funny. If it was like Hugh Not Jackman. as Wolverine. What's as that? a different character. Yeah, right. not that, as Wolverine, but as the power broker. Like somebody completely <laughs> yeah. different. Um, I think is, is uh, Sergeant Torres, he's going to be the new Falcon, right? That's in the comics, right? I was getting ready to talk about it. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I have no comic basis, but I just thought it was cool that he gave him the wings, and I, I felt like that felt like a literal passing of the of the wings, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, I really like the actor that plays that uh, part, and so I think it'll be interesting to uh, to have like a younger, another young character or another young hero involved. Good call. I still want the power broker to be uh, uh, 50 Cent. I'm still on that train with Mark <laughs> said before. Uh, I I still think that is 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 the the best theory, non-theory kind of. I'm just going to throw that out there against the wall to see if it's six things ever. And I will be sad because I know it's not going to happen. <laughs> but there will be a piece of me that'll be like, this oh. opportunity. <laughs> I think I think the bonus seems to be fifty cent. Like the, they reveal that the power broker is fifty cent, and he's like talking on the phone. And then you hear a voice that's like, "You're in my chair." And then they show Kingpin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah great scene. I, I just I don't think that um, there's enough time in a one-hour episode left to reveal a lot of what you guys are are hoping for. I I, I don't think that the Black Widow. While there will be a tie-in, it will probably be Sharon Carter mentioning the, a name or something. I don't. I'm, I find it hard to believe you'll see a direct character reveal. Right. Um, but I, I think you'll see a mention of where Bucky needs to go next to pursue mm -hmm. his his inquiry because Bucky's kind of still kind of tracking down his past. 
Mm -hmm. So I think you might see that be the way that they go. But well, Val might even be your connection to Black Widow, right? Yeah, could be. There's a connection in the comics. Mm -hmm. Mike, you have a question. Somebody's asking who the Red Widow is. Uh, Red Widow. And Gary, you may want to feel Red Widow is if you watch the movie coming in, um, the the Black Widow trailers. Red Widow is the agent who's put kind of it like in with Black Widow. She trains with her. They have a different. Um, um, she's got her own Genesis story in um, in all the Marvel fandom Wikipedia stuff. Uh, Gary, you may you want to talk more about who she is. I know you're a you're the buff. You're the guy that had no life growing up. Uh, the um, she uh, she was another trainee in the Red Room. Um, so the Black Widow's whole kind of origin in the comics is that there is the Red Room that messed with their memories, kind of like Weapon X did with Wolverine and all. And um, they would train young, mostly Russian women to um, basically be assassins and spies, and they would. Uh, portray themselves as ballerinas like a touring russian ballerina troupe and um meanwhile there were ballerinas that killed you at night um so and um the red widow was kind of one of her sister trainees who um you know at one point in natasha's absence became uh the black widow herself so they're just playing up that whole um it looks like in the movie though they're going to be kind of a an adoptive family almost with the red guardian and whoever Rachel Wise's character is. I think you're going to see, well, here's what I know. We're going to see the resolve to the fight, right? That, that whole thing that happens at the council meeting in New York. And then you're going to have uh, Bucky go apologize to the guy for killing his son, which is going to be an incredibly awkward conversation. You're going to have, uh, Sam, I think, go back to Isaiah because you had that line where he came in strong and said, no self-respecting you know, black man would take the Captain America shield. I think he's going to go have that conversation with him. I think he's going to feel like he owes him that as to why he's taking the mantle. I think you're going to have two end credit scenes, one of which is going to reveal Falcon unless he breaks through a skylight with his wings in the final <laughs> fight. I, I, I don't yeah. think they're going to do that. I think you're going to see that in one of the end credit scenes. And then you're going to get something completely random that we're not talking about at all in the other end credit scene, which may be another scrawl, though I hope that's not three in a row. I'm kind of over that. It might be the Red Widow thing. It might be any of that. I, I agree with Tim, though. I think we're going to be left with more uh, questions and answers at the which, end. It's going to be which, Mephisto. What's three movies? Because remember that, that Feggy... And, and the executive said that there are three direct film tie-in or pro Marvel project tie-ins coming out of Winter Soldier. I'm sorry, I meant it with, it, it, at the end of Spider-Man, you had the scrawls, right? With Samuel L. Jackson in space with the scrawls. At the end of WandaVision, you had a scrawl approach her about going in space. And I really don't want another scrawl in the end credit scenes of this because i'm right. just kind of bored with that i'd rather it be something that we haven't seen is it a name or a reference is it a, do they expand on madripoor do we is that where they reveal the power broker you know it's, it's somebody scroll that then turns to mephisto who's having right. yeah, the intro from days <laughs> no. of future Mephi past. mephisto is the power broker <laughs> i'm gonna go with that i'm gonna go we're gonna get the power broker reveal the, the mid-credit 
is going to be Falcon, the new Falcon, and then the end credit is going to be the reveal of the Power Broker. I'm sticking oh, nice. stick with that. I want to make mention, and if he's still listening, um, uh, our question asker was Doug Hanks, who I think Mark might know. Um, and Doug is probably the biggest reason that I'm even on this podcast right now because he's the one that got me reading comic books when we when we were in you know fifth grade um and he was in six and and we would go to alternate worlds uh comic shop up in outside of Towson um but yeah he was the and he was the guy that one that got me into Daredevil and the Avengers uh way back when but mid-credit scene is Daredevil representing John Walker <laughs> I'm that's, that's, that'd be awesome. Oh my god. Man. Let's do it. Let's make Let's that just happen. do an episode on predictions and just see how ridiculous <laughs> we can get. Well, I was just going to say on our wrestling podcast that, that we do sometimes uh we just say let what's the, what's your top 3 things that will never happen that would be hilarious if they happen and we just come up with the most outrageous things. My one for this would be after Bucky tells uh, the old man that he killed his son, they have this touching scene or whatever, and Bucky leaves, and then the, the guy picks up the phone and, like, 18 ninjas jump out. <laughs> and he's really a descendant of whatever, of the, you know, of the, the oh, God, why can't it, the Mandarin. There you go. Yeah. Brooks has a really heavy-handed prediction for what's going to happen to Bucky in the last episode. What oh. do you think is going to happen? I'm 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 thinking he may die. Wow, oh. I think it's a real possibility. He's been saying that the whole time. He thinks Bucky dies in the last episode. Wow. I think someone. I think someone's gonna die. Well, it's a good prediction, but I I don't think that's gonna happen because Sebastian Stan, of all the current actors signed on with Marvel, he has the longest number of projects left. Interesting. And a side note on him, a lot of people want him to be a young Luke Skywalker, and um, <laughs> he actually commented on it. He said that he would he would definitely consider it, A, if they asked him, B, if he had um, Mark Hamill's blessing. And Mark Hamill immediately reposted it and gave him his blessing and even, like, posted pictures of them, like, next to him, like, young him and yeah. and they, like, they it's weird. It's uncanny how close they look. Yeah, it really is. I'm all for it, but only if they declare episode seven, eight, nine non-canon. <laughs> oh man, I pulled that band-aid off. I forgot. <laughs> I hate to see, see storylines of characters that we know what happens to them. Yeah. You know, I mean, we know now what Luke Skywalker's ultimate outcome is. And I just feel like, man, I want Sebastian Stan to be a character where even if they never tell a movie past the next movie, you can imagine, like, man, what can you imagine what happened if if they did another movie, what could be next? Like eventually that runs out for him because Luke Skywalker dies. The, the best way to resolve that is just merge seven, eight, and nine with the Snyderverse. And then it's like, <laughs> already, you know. Lizzie's going to buy DC and Warner Brothers right now. That's, that's. Be <laughs> um, did you guys see the Emmy news about, so interestingly, not super surprisingly, but, they are uh, submitting Falcon and Winter Soldier in the dr dramatic category, and WandaVision is in the limited series category, 
which is interesting for two different reasons. One, they won't compete against each other, which I think is the real reason. But two, that probably means it's not a limited series. Because it's shorter yeah. episodes. There's less episodes. Right. But like, yeah. so if you if, if your goal is to be multiple seasons, typically yeah. you wouldn't enter it into the limited series category. I don't know what Disney's plan is moving forward, but I think that um, one of the things that they're truly doing here is their character developing at this level so that when they do the cinematic projects, they don't have to dive into that. Mm -hmm. You know, well, they're, but they're, that, that, that would go against, though, what the director said publicly, which is that the movies have to stand on their own without essentially like they can't just assume you're going to know everything that happened in these shows when you no, see the I mean, movie. I, I agree with that, but I think that you're what you're seeing is the in-depth character development that us comic sure. nerds want to see. I think you're going to see that at this level. Um, there was an interesting article, article out um, that I read yesterday that released that talked about how there used to be a line between um tv and movies and then that line blurred and now because of what disney has done that line doesn't exist anymore because the storylines yeah. all all blend together well we have mm -hmm. that with even with downton abbey right which just released a movie which is a sequel and I mean, you're right i mean it, now it's just all, it's all fair game we're going to bounce back and forth until that was a first you just heard mention of downton abbey on leave <laughs> <laughs> it to me <laughs> Oh, I watch it too. It's okay. I don't want that. That'll be one of our special edition episodes. <laughs> just, just so you know, we're all in tune here. They just announced the second movie is coming out later this year. That's what I was referring to. Yeah. Right. And so that's that's our next, you know, um, thing we wanted to cover today was Shang-Chi. Down to that, <laughs> was mentioned in Iron Man 3. <laughs> Downton Abbey is Happy's favorite show. I could, I could, I could that, that, out with a that is true. That is true. I can normally deliver with a straight face, but I started laughing halfway through. I don't think I'm going to be able to get Brooks to watch Downton Abbey. I, I, I just, <laughs> the only thing, um, and I'll let Mike move on and stop interrupting him, but the only thing that's going to frustrate me with the movies is I'm going to watch it, and then a week later, I'm going to be like, all right, when's, where's the next episode? Because we're so used to totally. getting that yeah. weak delivery. And and Disney's in like very quick release to digital, which is going to slow down as we come out of COVID. Like, yeah. Like, oh, I can't watch it at home now. <laughs> right. You, you, you know what's interesting? It's like, I, I feel like with the movies like Shang-Chi and Eternals and things that are completely new properties, we won't necessarily feel that way. But the next time we get Spider-Man or anything that involves these characters, mm -hmm. it's it's going to be interesting how they either a make us satisfied with the two hour movie and B don't feel pressured to shove everything that we just saw in the six hour show into a two hour movie, right. you know, cause I, I think one thing I did think about after I was watching, uh, I want to say it was civil war last week and it's, obviously it's still a great movie but it feels so rushed after what i'm used to now watching this way you know what i mean it feels like so much happens in such a small amount of time it's kind of wild that my perception has changed that way bless you bless you all right so shang chi we've just got you know we've got the teaser that came out today we know that we've got one more episode of falcon and winter soldier 
Then because Black Widow has been pushed back, we've got uh, Loki starting in June, Black Widow, and then in September, we've got Shang-Chi coming out, which we don't know how it connects to anything else yet. Um, although has there been 10 rings mentioned before? Iron Man. Iron um, Man. There was a terrorist group that captured him. Um, and oh, that was out. And, and that was, they called themselves the 10 rings. Um, and, you know, that was in the cave. And then, and then the Mandarin was mentioned in Iron Man 3, but it was just a washed up drug addict playing this character. Um, My least favorite part of all the MCU, by the way, the, what they did to the Mandarin. <laughs> Yeah, they really kind of that got a lot of controversy because they're like. Yeah. But the post credit scene was the post credit scene was pretty cool because you remember that he's got to deal with the fact that the the real Mandarin has noticed him and he's not happy with what he's done. Yeah, that was that was the only redeeming value of that for sure. <laughs> now I I I liked Iron Man three. It was it was a good movie aside from that. I liked how they introduced AIM and you got to see more of the. Uh, kind of storylines that they used to do in the 70s and 80s where Stark didn't always have his armor to save him and he had to rely on his smarts. But yeah, that was the worst part when you found out that Ben Kingsley wasn't really the Mandarin. And was <laughs> awful. I was just like, that's, that's just bad. So I'm... But he played the part really well. Yeah, the one thing, and I only saw it briefly, um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but... And it's funny because I literally just watched this as we started <laughs> getting on Zoom because I hadn't watched it yet. Um, the one thing that really stood out to me, and I can't t- besides the fight scenes, is they showed a character that had glowing rings on his arms. And I'm wondering if that's the Mandarin and they switched it up instead of being 10 rings on the fingers. It's those kind of Kung Fu rings on the arms. Yeah, I, I read an article that the the author's prediction of that article was that that actually was shang chi okay. and that those rings could be the 10 rings like you're talking about um or they could be some type of of tech that is designed to harness chi or something yeah because i literally this is amazingly i have not researched this movie at all i mean i know the character and i haven't even read many of the comics i'm gonna have to go back and read some of them now but I, I just, that just happened to pop into my head. I just saw the guy with the, I was like, there's a reason why those things would glow and they'd call them out so much. My question I, is, is he the Mandarin's son? Because there's all the references to the dad and not ruling with the dad or, or doing what the dad wants him to do. And the is dad looks kind of like. Or, I mean, could it be a mentor? Is it definitely the dad? Do they reference that? He said it's his. He didn't say it's the Mandarin, but the guy he says it's his, his son. He calls him. Yeah, because he says he 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 trained him, and then he's like he gave him ten years to do, and they have that little montage of him doing all this stuff and partying and everything, and it's kind of like okay, I'm going to train you, I'm going to train you, I'm going to train you. Okay, here's a ten year gap that I'm going to give you to do whatever you want with this, but at the end of that ten years. Your, t- your time is up. You're going to come home. I took it as you're going to come home and be the ruler or my to succeed after me, whether that person was the Mandarin or whether that person was just the the head of this. That's my question, right? Yeah. You know, that Marvel wave your hands, whatever it's going to be, <laughs> kind, 
kind of organization that it is. I don't know. Um, I, I do know in the comics, um, Shang-Chi was always fighting against his father, who was, um, look at me, I'm like, I don't know anything about the comics. Um, but, uh, you know, and his father, unfortunately, in the comics, they used an old character that was owned by Atlas called Fu Manchu. That was a gross, stereotypical, pretty much racist version of an Asian bad guy. So I know for the movie, they've obviously went to go against that. But another enemy of Shang-Chi's father in the comics was Jimmy Woo, who, who we've already seen in WandaVision. Now, I don't know if the MCU would go that route and have Jimmy Woo show up in Shang-Chi, but that would be so awesome if they do. It's a, just to feed him with magic. <laughs> Card trick. Jimmy Woo, yeah, <laughs> flourish. In the back, after he does everything, flourish with everything. Oh, but that would, that would be the best. That would be the best. This is I think that's the. I, yeah, think yeah. I think real quick. I was gonna say that's the one thing I'm excited about this particular movie, because I had no frame of reference for this character or anything that's going on. Like everything from every Marvel project they've done so far, whether it was to Fox or whether it's through Disney, or Marvel themselves, I have some frame of reference, some frame of reference of who the characters are. You know, whether it's through comics, whether it's through cartoons, whether it's just from, you know, being a kid and playing with toys and your friends of, you know, things like that. But this, I have no idea who is who, who's the bad guy, who's the good guy, where they come from, their origin, anything. So I'm really excited to see this movie in that sense of this is brand new. I, I'm going into it blind with no expectation of, oh, well, that's characters there. They're supposed to do this. There's no, no, they're supposed to look like this. They're supposed to say this. They're supposed to do that. So that's why I'm really excited about, uh, you know, this particular movie in itself. And Bruce, here's a secret you guys don't know about me, but I idolized Bruce Lee growing up, just completely cool. And Shang-Chi is Marvel's answer to Bruce Lee. Like when the character, which is amazing that I know nothing, very little about the comics and have never really read them except for an issue here and there. But the, um, I'm going to have to change that. But, uh, you know, Gang Chi came out at the time that um, Bruce Lee was popular. So, um, you know, and, and you know, at that time, every, everybody had to have their own Bruce Lee character. I mean, DC did it as well with like, uh, I think it was Richard Dragon. Um, and you know, they uh, the bronze tiger that was part of the suicide squad was like um, the Lee Van Cleef, um, from uh, Enter the Dragon. So Marvel's like, no, we can't have that, we need our own Bruce Lee too. So they did this Shang-Chi story. So, but then he's like kind of outgrown that, but still has hints of that. Like the last few series, um, of Shang-Chi, I did read one a few years ago, was when he was in the on the Avengers team and he was a secret agent. I mean, he might as well have been dressed up in Bruce Lee's Game of Death outfit. So it, it was uh, those ties are interesting, and I know they're not going to want to play that up too much in the movie because they, they want to do something new. But I'm interested to see how, like, what they do with that. And it can't Gary, be any worse than Iron Fist. <laughs> Gary, from here on out, anytime you say on here that you don't know anything about a character or a comic, you don't know anything. I'm just going to be like, you're you're, you're kidding me because. You didn't tell me like 20 things that I didn't know that you're like, I don't know anything about the character. But in the comics, they said this. I don't know anything about this character. But when he was doing this, and I was like, Gary, just admit it. You know a lot more than you know that, you, that, that it is. It's all right. I've never read the original series. For those that want a background, um, sorry for the puppy. 
Oh no, I thought that was my stomach growling. Marvel dropped a uh, Marvel dropped a, a, an annual one and done um, about four months ago for Shang Chi. Um, Taskmaster just had a five um, issue run where I think issue two and three revolved him going to the um, Forbidden City and dealing with some things related to Shang Chi and actually um, interacted with him. Um, and then Shang Chi has his own run. Yeah, has his own run right now. That's only like four or five issues deep right now that you can pick up. And Marvel's no dummies. You know, they, they, they've done the same thing. U.S. Agent has a run going. Eternals is issue four to, comes out tomorrow or Wednesday, you know, for their run. Um, and I agree with you totally, Joe. The, 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 the last bunch of Marvel movies, I knew not one thing about Guardians of the Galaxy. And they ended up being two of my favorite movies for that very reason. You just, you know, you're, you're learning the characters as you go. And then they just, you know, and obviously they're, they're showing in the in just the teaser, you've got epic fight scenes, you've got comedy that's going to be mixed in, as all Marvel movies seem to have. Um, and I, I think it just, it looks cool. You know, sure. I think it was, Brandon, when you were saying, uh, Feige getting Betty wouldn't do a Kung Fu movie. Yeah, that's some, somebody was probably just like, I mean, you guys have done so much, but you can't do Kung Fu. And he was like, watch this <laughs> yeah i got that feeling too when i watched this trailer i only watched it once and there was like a couple scenes and i was like whoa i was like this is like being this is like being 12 years old again on a sunday after sunday morning watching kung fu theater and they're like just tiptoeing over each other on standing on top of like uh sword blades i was like this is going to be kind of cool and with that marvel flair to it i was like yeah this this, this looks like it's going to be pretty cool so I'm gonna yeah. be upset if they don't have a Wu Tang Clan song on the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> they, they use so many sound that riffs. Coming. That, that, that? I think that is. I think that's the easiest prediction here. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't be surprised if that's their whole new the whole soundtrack. soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> and it would be brilliant because their whole mix of Thirty Six Chambers, that whole entire album, and just all the mixes from all the old. Um, Deadly Venoms and you know all of that Samurai Assassin they just pulled so much from that that if they didn't have those guys be part of it and they're all comic book geeks if they don't if have those guys RZA to, needs uh, to have a role in the movie doesn't he I was yeah. just about to say if the RZA's is not dressed up as a kung fu master somewhere in there again <laughs> Marvel you're missing an opportunity you know Absolutely. the blind master or whatever he always plays it would, oh my god just i mean like he was in the G, he was a, he was a master of gi joe um you know all the these old arms you may have gone everything movie with batista yeah you know i i can't remember did you just say what it's called gary yeah uh, man with the golden arms right right so yeah rizzo definitely needs to be in yeah he definitely should be in it i think it's just amazing that uh, Shang-Chi opted to waste the 10 years of his life. Joe, you'll appreciate this the same way I did by drinking and singing karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another yeah, so, don't, don't, feel, karaoke, don't feel bad, Mark. Don't feel bad, Mark. We, a lot of us were in those same 10 years. You were there, Joe. Weather. I was Mark there. Day. I was there for a good, I was there for a good few of them. You know, I, I wasted a good amount of my, and Mark, you'll appreciate this. And I, I, a few 10 years, I did that playing pool. So, uh, at, a, at a pool hall, sitting at a, sitting sitting at a table one for a long time. So yeah, I I understand what you mean by that. Yeah, 
feel like that's where we've got to end tonight. I mean, how do you, you know, how do you top that? You know, <laughs> only if Mark actually, Mark and Joe actually perform karaoke is the only way we can. <laughs> only if it's Wu Tang. There's yeah. always that. <laughs> so tune in next week for Mark and Joe doing Wu Tang requests. You know that you. Can come to. <laughs> oh, that would be even better to do a live and have people request songs for them to sing. I would just. I wouldn't even want to be on that episode. I'll watch it. I would just like be one of the people like requesting. <laughs> oh God! Have them sing "Wind Beneath My Wings" by Bette Midler. You know. <laughs> Don't tempt me. <laughs> we'll do it. You're not no, tempted. Yeah, we'll You're challenged. It's not a tempt. It's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, triple dog dared. <laughs> we'll be back next week after the finale of Falcon and Winter Soldier, and we'll see uh, where we're left off and where we go from there. Thanks for joining us. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>